Hey guys, Spacey here. Welcome to the Chorus Podcast, Filmmaking Actually. Before we jump into this episode, part two of the full Names on the Wall panel with the key cast and crew, I want to give a quick heads up regarding the sound quality. We were all recorded remotely, and that comes with some technical hurdles. So we appreciate your understanding on that front. So enjoy. My name is Cora. Welcome back to my podcast, Filmmaking, actually. If you missed the last episode, I recommend going back to that. For those ready for part two, I present to you the second half of our full cast and crew panel for Names on the Wall at the NovaFest and Capital Film Market. We will finish up the moderated discussion and end with our audience questions. Okay, here it is. So we're going to get to the audience Q&As in just a little bit. I want to ask a question regarding the history of this. There's a lot of history at the beginning that I'm not sure if a lot of you are aware of two presidents speaking. It's the Vietnam president at the time. It's the United States president at the time. And then at the end of the movie, there's the Vietnam, what we call the Vietnam War Memorial. And then there's the, I believe what they call the American War Memorial in uh, Vietnam. So can you guys, uh, Cora and Spacey, I think you're the best to answer that, elaborate on that history? I mean, why you brought it in? Um, So something about the film just felt incomplete. I'll have Spacey talk about the, the two speeches that open as like that radio static. In the beginning, that's actually really significant. I'll have him go over what that was. And then um, for me, it just, it felt like, I mean, when it was done, like, obviously that's the whole point is that when it's done, you're like, what just happened? Like, that was kind of, I think where, I can be so bold as to say where I think Nick was kind of going with it in the first place, was it supposed to leave the audience like, wait, what? And you don't know, you know, is he going to go find the guy's wife and give him, give her the locket? Is he going back to his unit? Is he going to go kill a bunch of people? Is he going to ever tell anyone what happened here? Like, you don't know. He just leaves. I kind of wanted to circle back to where we were going with it. And I forget where we came up with the idea of getting some footage. We had a a friend in Washington, D.C. who went and actually filmed the footage for us. And it felt a little one-sided. And I was curious, you know, so I just Googled, like, is there a Vietnam War Memorial in Vietnam? And that was when I found out that there is no Vietnam War Memorial in Vietnam because there's an American War Memorial in Vietnam, the same way there's a Vietnam War Memorial in America. And that hit me as a human, if anything's gonna kind of like level your playing field as like a perspective, it was to know that where you've got this, you know, this is the Vietnam War. The other side is like, yeah, that's the American War. And I was like, wait, what? Spacey actually had the idea about, I think it was Spacey, about reaching out on Facebook. And um, I found somebody in Vietnam who We found went, a lot of great people on Facebook. Oh gosh. When it comes to the score, even, there's an Airhu player who plays yeah. the haunting, like, it sounds like a violin, but it's very haunting. I found them, uh, I went on to an, uh, a Facebook group for Airhu players. It was suggested by our composer that they wanted an Airhu, and I had to find somebody who could do it, and it's like the world's foremost Airhu player who lives in Japan, but they're yep. from China. So it was somebody, it was like this guy is like, Oh, my teacher, She's she can do this. I'm like, okay. And then we found out all she wanted in compensation was IMDb credit. So Which was about all we had left that's in all our we budget. Really, yeah. So that was, that was good. Um, so anyway. Did the title come first or was it, I, I'm trying to remember because Names on the Wall wasn't the original no, title. No, it was Two Soldiers. Yeah. 
it was two soldiers, which was just generic as U.S. soldier number one, U.S. soldier number two, and Viet Cong. I mean, the whole point of that was just to make them face, like, you know, nameless, right? I like, know. In a way, like, this could be anybody. I wanted but, to um, name them, too, because their IMDb credit looks so janky, like, U.S. I know, but one. I didn't And I'm like, but we can't name them. them. Yeah. No, and I get that, like, from, like, an, if there were extras, you'd be like, okay, whatever, but they're the main. But, I mean, that was kind of the point, right? Just keep it, like, this could be anybody. Yeah. You know, in a war, like, you put a name to it, then you just, like, you kind of, like, you know, you condense the story to like, oh, this is just their story. That's it. It was like, no, this this probably happened a zillion times or versions of this or or whatever. But the names on the wall, which was I didn't even come up with that title. And we argued over whether there's going to be names on the wall or names on a wall. <laughs> and I lost. I wanted a wall so, so bad. And then you were like, hey, we'll put it up to a public vote. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to win this hands down. And then I lost. So. Names on the wall. Yes, yeah, became names on the wall, but I can't remember if that was like, if that then spurred on like the the, the war memorial yeah. stuff at the end and everything. Like it almost all came from that title. Then obviously the name of the song and the song itself and those. So it's like once we nailed down that title, it's like all these other like opportunities and themes kind of became recontextualized. And we were able to do so much more in post. Yeah, and yeah. we um, one of the things that I I wanted was especially because this was a short film this was my first film you know like a lot of us were like these were very early on projects for us i didn't want to have like you just saw our 20 minute film here's 10 minutes of credits so i wanted to focus on as much story as i could work into that and so when we got the footage from vietnam which by the way is under armed guard um and the guy who shot it came back and told me he was like i got some shots, but I want to get some more. He was like, I have to go back. He's like, I have to be careful because there's soldiers there and you're not allowed to have cameras. And I was like, do not mess with the Vietnamese military. Like this movie is not worth it. Thank you. These shots are great. We're good. Do not, no, do he, not. He yeah. went back. Though. He went back. And apparently the guy that was on guard that day was a big fan of American movies. And he basically looked the other way and was like, and like, let him go in and get all these shots. And the thing that struck me the most when I was editing like that part is when you go to the American one, it's full of people. It's full of people touching the wall, leaving flowers, bowing their head, all of this stuff. And then when you look in the one in Vietnam, it's just empty and like nobody even stops. Like it's just the traffic going by in front of it. And it made me wonder like how many Viet Cong soldiers had had a story like ours and where did they go and like what happened? And it just, anyway, it kind of like spun my head a little bit. Anyway, so that for me, those those two things in the, um, in the, I'm seeing the, the side in the chat, Brendan, you're amazing. So just for the record. <laughs> um, so literally like the fact that these guys were able to take that heart and bring it to stage. Um, the, <laughs> that was our argument, Nikki. Names on a wall, you don't know names on. I wanted it to be ambiguous. Everything was supposed to be ambiguous. No, it's, you know, this is a, a years old argument. I'm still sore about it. But you know what? We did it before Tenet. We have just nameless protagonists. That's so. true. Yeah. Actually, See, this, we, we, yeah. Um, but yeah. So then the radio part, I'll let Spacey share that part because I just talked oh, a lot. Sorry. Um, yeah, in the intro, there's like some radio static and there's some voices, and it's really difficult to maybe hear what they're saying um from a sound design choice core was like wanted she wanted to kind of key up the eeriness or confusion of the you know sort of a catastrophic sound of colliding 
Worlds. Yeah, when worlds collide in a world. <laughs> um, but I have the text here of what is actually being said. One is from Ho Chi Minh, who was the prime minister of Vietnam. And this is um, from 1945. He was quoting um, a very famous document. Um, all men are created, this is a translation from Vietnamese. All men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Um, and then so he's saying it in Viet Vietnamese. And then this is a quote from a speech by uh, Richard Nixon, President Richard Nixon. Um, Love that guy. <laughs> Go on. I'm just, uh, yeah. Let us be united for peace. Let us also be united against defeat because let us understand North Vietnam cannot defeat or humiliate the United States. Only Americans can do that. So, and that to me, there's was, no editorial spin on this from me, just though that's what was being said. I love that he had those two quotes because the fact that the American president was saying, like, only Americans can defeat Americans, and then the prime minister of Vietnam was quoting the very foundation of America in Vietnamese. I don't know. I just I was really excited when he brought me those two clips. It was like such a perfect like I was like, yes, I was like that. That is that is how this movie is going to start. That's the fun part of editing, isn't it? It's just discovering certain things. Yeah. Yeah. That was a long answer. <laughs> we, we've got some good audience questions. I got one more tiny thing before we jump there. Uh, what's the future oh. of Space Dream Productions? <laughs> no. Do you have anything to look forward um, to? So <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, Space Dream Productions, thank you, Space Dream Productions is um, really excited to be working on a couple of really awesome projects right now. We have our first entirely independently owned feature film, which is called Catching the Light, which we were able to safely shoot during COVID last year in September 2020. That is currently in post, and we're really excited to be sharing that with everybody soon. And we're working on, we had another feature um, called Comic Relief, which we were so excited about and it was gearing up and we have a fiscal sponsorship from the Utah Film Center and we were all about to go and then the world shut down. And we actually have that budget back with our line producer being restructured to include all of the COVID safety elements and all of the union requirements to move forward with that because it's a little bit of a larger project uh, than uh, Catching the Light was. And, um, then we have some other things that are even more in the works that I can't mention yet. But um, those are our kind of two biggest is Catching the Light and Comic Relief. And you can follow both of them on social media. <laughs> awesome. Let's jump to the audience. I think uh, that's they're going to be excited for some of these questions. First one, I'm going to just kind of pick them uh, as I see them. How did you approach shooting a film set in a vintage era while using modern digital technology and still keeping the look you wanted while taking so advantage I'm just an of modern production tools. designer. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> kidding. <laughs> um, I'm totally kidding. Well, I mean, I, I was the production designer for it, but um, that sort of filmic uh, look that kind of ended being the um, the kind of finish on the film itself. First of all, we did have Nick, who is a research guru. And um, he was like constantly sending me pictures and links and things for all of their wardrobe. And um, we know it's not like exactly historically accurate, but we wanted to get it as close as possible. Um, we wanted things to be nitty and gritty and real 
So we tried to make that as authentic as possible. We tied their boots to the back of the ranger's truck that drove it around the park. Um, the guys <laughs> we were like, to, we, have we to, beat up everything. We yeah. beat up everything. With, like the water canteens, everything. We just were like smashing. On the we have, we on. have to mention park ranger Larry. Oh yeah, he park was, ranger, ranger Larry was, he was awesome. Um, and then I have to admit, I tell the story all the time. Um, Brendan, I don't know if you remember, but I walked up to you and I said, okay, so um, I kind of, I would love for you to be like actually dirty. Are you comfortable just like straight rolling in the mud? And you were like, sure. And you literally laid down in a mud pile and just started rolling back and forth going, I love my job. I'm so glad I don't work a nine to five. I'm so glad I don't work in an office. This is amazing. I'm living the dream as you were literally like rolling in the mud. And I like had so much respect for your dedication when you did that. I don't know if you remember doing that. I, oh, of course. Yeah, you got to be in it to win it. I remember rolling around in the mud for like 30 seconds while everybody's laughing at me. I'm like, hey, this is, this is what you got to do. And I remember standing up and you went, okay. And you're looking at my clothes and you went, hmm. I think it needs more. Can you can you roll around more? I'm like, sure. So I did it even more. And yeah, I just kept doing it till it was ready. But yeah, I do remember that. It sold it. And um, this is the actual jacket that he was wearing. Spacey pulled it out of the closet. It's never been cleaned. Um, It's been cleaned. We washed it. Unfortunately, oh, okay. I'm a little hot, so I'm not going to keep wearing it. Yeah, you are. But wow, inappropriate. Um, so we're going to um, uh, add into that. We were originally were going to film. I saw a couple of questions like, where are you filming and how long did you film for? We originally were going to film from sunrise to sunset on day one and then film for like a couple hours in the afternoon on day two. I had just been in Utah at Sundance with Nick, actually, and my sunrise app was still set for Utah time. So when I set our call time thinking, OK, good, the sun should be good and up by then. We'd already lost a couple hours of daylight. So I always say we did it in less than one day because we didn't get our full hours of daylight. Um, and then what happened was Joan was like the trooper of all troopers. So we did all the action before lunch. Melissa just went in there. They had all the prep. They shot everything. And it was, we shot everything. It was amazing. Um, Melissa just like took that and ran with it. And it was perfect. Then, uh, when we came back, we were doing all of Brendan's scenes. And um, then we had to shoot that final, the ending, because we wanted the sun at a certain level. By the time that was done, the sun was setting and we needed to get everything with Doan. And he literally powered through, I think we filmed with him for like an hour, like everything, all of his shots, all that. He was just like, boom, he didn't miss a lot. He like, he just went with it. And it was amazing and unfortunately, it was a little while ago and camera technology did not quite meet the what we needed and the footage was very grainy. So my brilliant and talented husband had the idea of basically latching onto that grain and making this filmic effect that we then just put throughout the film. And it was one of these like happy accidents where something went wrong and we could have just been like, oh, this looks bad. Or we could have tried to fight it or we could have like tried to grade it in a way that didn't make it look. But instead, kind of like everything that happened in the film, whenever something went wrong, we just kind of went with it. And, you know, we had to wait for a year. We waited for a year and it all worked out amazingly. We, Our location, the reason it worked was because it was uh, there was a really bad drought in L.A. That was a riverbed. There is no pit. We were filming in a riverbed. And um, we, uh, yeah, so anyway, the short version is to answer that question, we had a really awesome creative team that really went for authenticity at every single layer. 
And then to put a kind of finishing ribbon on it was Spacey's final uh, processing of the finished product. Wow. It worked. So um, got another question here. While it definitely uh, works and portrays the senselessness of conflict, were there any nerves going for such a gut punch? I mean, I'll say this and then I'll, I, I'm, I'll have Nick and anyone else wants to speak about it. Nick and I, we argued about a couple of things on this. Only a couple. It's a good thing you're married to my best friend. Um, the uh, the uh, blood spray in the end, I didn't want to be that graphic. And I, we went back and forth on that a lot. And Nick, Nick's an awesome person to collaborate with. He was definitely, you know, he was open to changes. And like, I was like picking the script apart and we're changing things. And, and he was like going with things. And if he ever put his foot down, I knew that it was because something about it like really meant something. So he really was like, we, we have to have that. It needs to be that graphic. It needs to be that sort of visceral. In the end, I was like, okay, fine. And um, we even beefed it up a little bit with some effects from a really awesome post-production effects guy named Alex. It was weird. The ending is what drew me to the story. The fact that it wasn't just like, uh, we need to get along or we're going to die. Because that's kind of like, we know that. We're still not getting along with people. There's still, you know, racism and poverty and, you know, income discrepancies and sexism and misogyny and blah, blah, blah. But to hit it that hard, like when I saw that, I was like, that's it. Like that, that last scene was what grabbed me when I read it the first time. And I was like, this, this, this makes the point. And there's little nuances that I don't know if anybody notices, but like, when um, Ian, uh, U.S. Soldier 2, is saying, where are your friends, huh? It cuts back to Brendan. And he's processing this, like, whoa. And Brendan looks down, and you see that Doan's finger wasn't on the trigger. So when Doan had the gun up, he grabbed it out of reflex. But even with all of his training, he wasn't going to shoot. And it, it was all of those little things. So, like, while... For me, anyway, it, the fact that it was so raw, that's what, that's what got me. And I was like, this is the story that I want to tell is this exact ending. So, Nick, I don't know what it was like for you, but that's how I felt. Yeah, ditto. No, I, I remember we were like this close, yeah, to taking out that, that shot of Ian. Because, um, like, technically, I guess his, her, like, physics or whatever, like, his body doesn't react the way it would if a bullet was going through his head. And we we're like, so? Like, eventually it was just sort of like, well, this just tells the story. Like, this is what happens. And I think it's just interesting the way you guys even cut it, where you don't see Fuchs, like, actual, like, uh, gunshot. You hear it. Yeah. So, and then you see his reaction. I think it's just, there's a million ways you could do anything. You can cut anything a million ways. You could tell a story a million ways. I just thought this is the way that story needed to be told. It was like, I don't know. Like, we, we you know, it's a 25-minute runtime on this film. Yeah. And we were like, how do we basically make you care about these people, you know, that you're going to know for maybe 20 minutes of that runtime? Like you, you have to. And I think Renan and Fook, they were really the ones that I think, uh, you know, is on the page, but whatever. Right. Like they brought it to life. It's only it's only like a 12 or 15 page script, though, isn't it? Yeah, it was the original one was 12 pages. And I think at the end we had like 15 pages or something like that. Yeah. Um, But no, I mean, they they just brought it to life, you know, and Ian, you know, he was amazing because he's on it for like what, like 20 seconds, if that. And you like you get every I mean, in a short film, you're you have, you know, limited real estate and 
so you have to be able to to kind of you know get the point across quickly but you don't you want it to feel organic and not feel like this forced shoehorned in you know chemistry or whatever and they nailed it like, i think the actors just all killed it so i agree yeah well that that kind of leads on to another audience question uh and nick i'd lo love to hear it from you uh what really made fuke and brendan stand out in their audition in the audition is there something i wasn't even involved in, you know, beyond because <laughs> those were all done in la i was i I don't go to LA. Like, <laughs> like, I went for the shoot at the end, but I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> was sending me the audition, you know, I was, I was looking at them and, 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 um, and she was like, these are the ones, you know, I saw all the other ones, but she was like, these are the ones that I really, I think this is, you know, we had to agree on it. And I was like, yeah, they killed it, you know? And, um, but then I met them, I guess the day before the shoot. Right. Cause we, we went out there like, the day before we went, we blocked everything, and you know, uh, I went and had to get the last bit of costumes and and guns and the kind of jewelry. <laughs> didn't show up, you know. That locket it was it was supposed to be a whole other thing. It's written differently in the script. I don't even remember exactly, but it's it's written differently, and the thing never arrived. And so, you know, you guys are shooting, and I'm driving around LA trying to find a place to get anything that actually looks good enough for the scene. And I go to this, uh, I don't know if it was a Zales or somewhere, and I bought a you know $500 locket. And I was like, can I please return this tomorrow? I need this for like two minutes. And they were like, I mean, yeah, just don't mess it up. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I brought it back and I handed it to Putin and I was like, please, this is on my American Express. This is not budgeted for. Just be careful. And he's like, like you, you can see he was like the pressure. He's like, I don't want this pressure. Can we just like, you know, cut this? But, I think uh, we had a picture of, of that moment actually in the behind the scenes where oh, you're, yeah. you're leaning forward and Doan yeah. is just like, uh-uh. He's like, he's like, I don't want that. <laughs> I stared through his soul when I was like, I have to return this tomorrow. Please don't do this to me. And, uh, you know, somehow it didn't even end up getting dirty, even though like they're covered in filth. This is like towards the end of the day. And, uh, yeah, I was able to return it the next day. So Yay. I don't know what that had to do with anything, but, uh, yeah. So, so I met you guys the day before and, um, you know, I don't know. You guys had put in so much prep with Melissa and stunts, and you know we went to the gym where you guys were doing that. And I was like, God, they're putting in work. Like, you guys were just like on it, and you were, you know, very open and collaborative, and and just good guys, you know. And uh, I think that's first and foremost, you know, just kind of. I think it came through on the film because basically those two characters are good people. All right. Well, I think uh, I think we have time for another question. Um, we'll throw it out. It's a lot of things directed to Cora. Big surprise here. Um, Cora, what was the most challenging thing you had to do as a debut director? A main lesson, um, and uh, what would you do different? I always joke around when my friends are coming to panels, and I'm like, don't ask like what the hardest thing was, because <laughs> it's such, you know, when when I was picking the script, when I was casting the actors, when I was you know, designing it, wandering around Malibu Creek State Park by myself, Snapchatting the guy that I was dating, or I don't think we were even dating yet, I had a crush on him, um, showing him pictures. <laughs> I think we were dating <laughs> we at were the dating time. Yeah, okay. I think we um, were. And then, why, are you why would you Snapchat a guy you're not dating? <laughs> um, Is that a thing? And then, I don't use Snapchat anymore, so I don't know. So, probably the hardest part as a filmmaker ever is just not giving up every step of the way i had the opportunity to 
to not do it and be totally justified to quit. Like nobody would be against you. If you gave up, everybody would understand. And it, for some of it, it never even crossed my mind. Like looking back, I'm like, why did I put up with like, what was wrong with me? Um, but like, I mean, we had everything from like, okay, how do you get the budget for a story like this? How do you, how do you find the actors? You know, we went on LA casting and I won the lottery when these two guys showed up. Um, I happened to know Melissa from another project. Obviously I knew Nick and I knew Mary. Um, everybody else on set, I'd never really actually worked with before. Cameron, I'd been in one of his films and obviously I knew Spacey. Um, but Can we give props to Kyle Jacobson? I was just about to say, <laughs> Kyle Jacobson, that was the first time I ever worked with him and I have called him for every single project and if anybody ever needs a uh, sound. Yep. Yeah, he's amazing. He's amazing, so professional. Just like every single person on set, it was an amazing day. Like it, everything, it was just, it was fun. Everybody was awesome. And when we hit post and we started hitting the post problems, like I couldn't let these people down. Like I had to, I had to finish it because I mean, Doan and Brendan were training for four weeks with Melissa, like a month of their lives learning this choreography and Anyway, I could go on and on. I know it's getting really late. Um, I um, I feel like people ask that question because they want to know what might they run into and how do they prepare for it. And I mean, Spacey and I have made about, I don't know, another two dozen films since and projects and not, you're never going to be prepared. You're never going to know everything that could go wrong. You're, you're never going to there, there is no answer to that question. And there's always new hardest things. <laughs> there's always new hardest things. And the only thing I can tell you is just remember why you're doing it. And I know that sounds so like, like la la la, no. but um, that's kind of how I am. And I think it, if something really matters, the world and the universe is not just going to bend to your will. It's going to stand up and fight you back. And if you're not willing to fight it and keep going, there's always going to be something that's your greatest challenge. And um, um, I once read a quote in like a random magazine and it was an actress and she said that every time you do something you've never done before, now you're someone who can do that thing. And that really struck with me because it meant that it's true. The only difference between someone who does something and who's like, you know, oh, I've done that. And someone who hasn't is they've done it. So I, I can't stress that enough. Just go into it with that attitude of I've never done this before. And after I do it, I'll have done it. And that's it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I hope that that answers the question. Um, oh, I read a, I read a quote recently. I read a quote recently. It says, Spacey is one of my favorite people. Honey. That is all. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I did realize, though, I just want to make sure before we wrap up, we didn't get um, Stevie's answer to the question about her first moment on the set. Um, and I wanted to make sure we had that opportunity for everybody to answer the question or on the project, I guess. Um, I was on set, but it's, it's, it's interesting because thinking about how it influences a, a person just watching it. When you're transcribing, you're fighting for accessibility. It's not just about translating the words and making sure the words are on the screen. It's making sure the sounds make sense. So like, you know how when you make a film, sound is such a big inclusion in the film itself. It's, it's such a big part of it. It can change the whole story. So when you're, when you're matching something like that and providing for people who don't have sound, you have to be able to match the, what they see with what 
with what you hear so that the feeling is the same. So from every footstep to every heartbeat to every beat of the fight, everything has to make sense and, and really blend really well. And so I have to sit and watch it over and over and over and over. And I don't see it as it's being produced. So I don't see that. I kind of see more of the end or the close to the end result. And so having that experience it's like I cry for like three days because I'm watching it constantly and watching every second and every blink and every move so that everything is, is perfectly matched up so that the the accessibility for those who can't hear it are still able to get the same feelings because it's not just accessibility but it's it's about equity it has to get the same feeling across otherwise you're missing a whole giant audience of people so it's, it's really important so it's just really there was so much in this film that just got me because i've i've transcribed things before and it's 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 a job and i i'm like oh that was a really good part or oh, i really like how it worked out i've never sat and just cried for several days while trying to to put it together and make sure it was perfect i worked really hard on this really try to make sure it was a really big fit because it was such a good performance from Brendan and from Dawn and from really just everyone involved in this, you could see the importance that this film really has for everyone and how much they put into it. So really just a great experience for me, even though it was later on for me than everybody else. That's amazing. Uh, thank you for your work on the project. Um, so much goes into that. So uh, I know I've hold, held a lot of you guys for a long time. I'm going to give it up to the panel again. If there's any last uh, comments that you guys want to say, any last thanks, uh, now is the time or forever hold forever. Our forever. Yeah, forever hold our peace. Last, festival, last panel. That's you. Oh yeah. And it's Four our first panel with everybody. We've never now had a panel with film. everybody. Ever. No, now it's going to live on Prime Video, and that, that's it, right? Yep. Oh, that's right. I should say that. So yeah. You can yeah. tell all your friends you love this movie. It is on Amazon Prime, even though Amazon said that they were shutting down their indie films, they weren't taking shorts, they weren't going to do it. Um, names on the wall. Like unsolicited um, submissions, they were stopping, but yeah. they accepted names on the wall, so you can go. We yeah. made them an offer they couldn't refuse, a really good short film. <laughs> Congratulations, guys. You know, I, I do want to bring up um, Robert Redhead. I'm not sure if he's still in here right now, but he did make a comment earlier. Oh. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yeah, yeah. That. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that to you guys if you didn't see it. He said, I had my brother's friends lost in that war and some from high school before me. They were Huey pilots. I had my draft ticket to go, but it was just over before I was to go. Thank you so much for this film. I hope you can have a follow-up on this film. And that's so powerful, isn't it? You know, when you make a film about any war, really, but in this one in particular, the Vietnam War, there's people that had real experiences and it, it hits them so much. And the fact that Robert's saying, thank you so much for this film and anybody else, you know, Cora, I'm sure you've heard multiple times, you know, thank you for this film. Thank you. This, this is, I was in the Vietnam War. I was there, you know, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, just as an actor, like just tapping into that mindset in, in the Vietnam War was so incredibly terrifying i remember i remember playing uh gunshots and bombs going off and uh just, just sounds of war and how 
how heightened your senses get, but your your adrenaline that's released, all these soldiers that are out there, the adrenaline that's re that's released only lasts so long, and then you have to keep on going. You have to stay at that level. So the fact that that we made something that something like Robert's saying thank you for makes it all worth it for me. So you know, Cora, Nick, Joan, Melissa, everybody, Mary, everybody. Like, yeah, we did, we did good. Yeah, we caught lightning so. in a bottle, guys. You guys have raged <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Unbelievable. My favorite is the audience. I mean, knowing that, like, it's one thing for us to be like, yeah, we love our movie because we made it. Um, knowing what it means to other people is what means the most to me. And knowing that it, it communicates to people and that it means something to them and that it hopefully, at the end of the day, I hope it makes them stop and think about the way they look at other people and the assumptions they make about them. And it may be a Vietnam War film, but like I, it says in all of our press and everything, it's meant to be a story of humanity and it's meant to kind of make us stop and maybe question the assumptions that we have and some of the preconceived notions or the things we're told to think um, about other people as opposed to learning the humanity between us all. Yeah, uh, my, my soapbox. No, well, my dad was, well said. Yeah. My, my dad was able to see it um, he passed away a couple of years ago, but he was able to see it, and uh, he 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 actually compared it to there's a there's a science fiction movie called Enemy Mine, and they go to like Mars, you know, some foreign planet, and it's all about an Earthling who can't communicate with like a Martian or something, you know. It, it was cool to have my dad like give his input, and he was my dad served uh, during the Korean uh, conflict, so. Um, it kind of meant a lot to me to have my dad say he liked something that um, that I worked on. It was kind of one of the few times that he <laughs> voiced that he actually was proud of me for something specific, you know. So it's what you said about the comment there just reminded me of that and how this movie is kind of all tied up in my in my autobiography, like who I am. It's it's kind of like intertwined, like forever. So thank you guys for being part of that. Thanks to the audiences who come and sit through ridiculously long panels. <laughs> let us let us pour our hearts out to you and and um, just this team too. This team is amazing. I love I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes, throughout this whole experience, it's been uh, my pleasure. It's been the team's pleasure. Uh, audience, thank you so much. Um, Filmocracy, thank Fernando. you. Nova Film Festival, thank, thank you. you. Mr. Fernando Miko, thank you, man. Um, <laughs> so I hope everybody uh, gets home safe. Do not drink and drive. Uh, make sure that you guys, if you want to make sure you guys enjoy the rest of your evening, all right? Thank you guys. Can we Have drink and log off? <laughs> you can drink and log off. Log, log off and then drink. Can I take a screen grab of everything? <laughs> uh, this was recorded. Log off and drink. Yeah. Recorded. <laughs> yeah. So where do we go? So you're welcome to recorded. hang out on the floor. We'll Where's the after Instagram? Party. The after party is going to be back in the uh, same forum room at the All tables. Right. Let's go. Okay. All right. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Uh, love you all, guys. Bye. Thank you.
And that's it. I hope it was useful to hear what it was like to make names on the wall for me and my team. If you have any additional questions not covered in our panels, again, you can reach out for film-specific questions on our film social media. Names on the Wall is on Facebook under Names on the Wall. And you can always email us here. Spacey will tell you. (laughs) All right, that's it for now. Bye. You've been listening to Filmmaking Actually with Coralinda, Space Dream Productions podcast. Subscribe to us on any or all the podcast platforms, but we especially recommend our sponsor, Anchor. If you like what you hear, leave us five-star ratings and positive reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. It helps more listeners like you discover the show. But the best thing you can do if you really like the show is tell a friend. Want to leave a comment or ask a question? Email at filmmakingactually at gmail.com. This is Spacey speaking. Thanks to the audiences who come and sit through ridiculously long panels. (laughs) Let us pour our hearts out to you. And we'll see you next time.